Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. How the heat will start to impact your training. It feels so great to be running outside again. So many runners are enjoying the nice warm weather, but soon it will become hot. I'm talking too hot. Many athletes will experience a slowdown in the upcoming months. We will be chatting today about the impacts of the heat on your training and performance and what you can do to make the most out of your training this summer. So we're going to talk about different factors like the sun impact, temperature impact, and the hydration changes that are needed. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is the head cross-country and track coach at the University of Wisconsin-River Falls. In addition to coaching there, he is also a run coach here at run for prs and he has been coaching for over a decade now, um, helping various ability levels and training anywhere from the one mile to the marathon. Um, this will be probably his, what, 20th summer running himself. So definitely well-versed in this area. And we just wanted to kick things off and chat a little bit about, um, Jason, your background and how the training in the summer really impacts you and kind of your thoughts on it. Yeah, as we all know, summer miles can be quite draining. And especially when I have my my athletes leave for the summer, we talk a lot about um, what their easy pace should be because that's something that should be modified like you know whatever paces you're running in the fall and the winter and the spring it's not going to be the same in the heat so we'll talk about a little bit of that but also figuring out what what time of day is best for you to run because it's so important that um you know not only to have your routine but that you're not out there in the peak hours of the day and because that can be just extra draining and a lot of times we have so much to to balance in the summer as it is with with all of the you know increase in um, activities that are going on and, and kids stuff, so it's really important that we make sure that your summer training is, um, you know, it's it's at a time where it's best for you and for your family, and making sure that you're trying to avoid getting out there when it's when it's too hot and um, prevent those heat related illnesses. Right. Yeah. I think that this is a really good point. You know, a lot of people, you know, summer training is just very different than any other time of year. And it, it can be difficult to transition into it. I know some states, you know, when you're further down south, you are already probably experiencing um, a little bit more of the warmer temperatures than we are here um, up in Minnesota and Wisconsin. I mean, we really don't get super bad summers, but we do have, you know, the days where it's, you know, before the sun even comes up, it's almost 80 degrees. And it's really that dew point and that humidity. Um, you know, the humidity factor is huge. And there's so many factors that go into this. Um, I know some people listening are like, that's not even that hot. You know, people down in Miami, you know, can get to like 100 degrees every single day during the summer. So it just, it's really important to understand kind of where you're at and assessing, you know, this is going to be different if you live in Florida versus if you live in Minnesota. You know, if you live in Minnesota, it's probably not going to, 
impact you as much. You know, you, you are going to have to make some adjust, adjustments probably, but, you know, comparatively speaking, if you're someone who's in Florida or, you know, in a Southern state, this is definitely something to tune into and really take, take to heart because it's going to affect you for a very long time. And we want to make sure, you know, you're training appropriately and not, uh, you know, overdoing it in the heat because that's the biggest thing. I know you talked about adjusting your easy pace. And I think that's something that we're going to talk about for sure. So I know we wanted to talk a little bit to kick things off about that temperature impact. So running in the heat is harder on your body um, because your body does have to work harder in the heat and humidity to run at the same paces that you would in cooler weather. And the reason being is, you know, your body starts to overheat and a lot of factors that go into that. So can you talk to me a little bit about at what point the, the temperature would have that impact and, you know, how physiologically, how does that happen? Yeah, so your body's having a difficult time keeping your muscles and everything cool when it's hot out. And, you know, you may notice a spike in your heart rate sooner if the temps are, if the temps are high. So when I think about high temperature, I'm thinking, um, you know, I'm not necessarily uh, relating that to sun. So right now we're thinking about high humidity or high temps, and maybe the sun's not even out yet. So you're getting out early in the morning. Um, and let's say it's, I don't know, 75 already or 78 degrees. I know that's very common, especially like in Florida. Um, and it's really, you know, it's really muggy and humid. And we've all done a fair share of races in those temps. Um, and we know that it's hard to, you know, run, run your best. So I think that when we're talking about just training day to day in those conditions, I think it's important that we start to think about slowing down our easy pace. Um, you know, really anything above above 60 degrees is going to start to have an impact on like your slow on your easy pace. So I would, I would always tell my kids like, you know what, slow down 10 seconds per mile. If it's 60 um, to 70, if it's 70 to 80, slow down 20 seconds per mile. And then if it's, you know, 80 to 90, at least 30 seconds per mile. So that's kind of how I just easily kind of, you know, help them remember like, okay, associate their effort with pace based on the temps. Yeah, I think it's really important to understand, you know, you do actually start to see the physiological decline happen at about 60 degrees, which a lot of people would think, well, that's that's not even that hot, but that's where it starts. And then it's only exponential from there. So the jump from 50 to 60 is is not that extreme, but the jump from 60 to 70 is more extreme. And then if you're jumping from 70 to 80, it becomes even harder. Um, it's not like a linear, a linear thing here. It's very much exponential. Uh, it gets exponentially harder. Um, and there's even certain temperatures where, you know, if you're doing hard effort workout or if it's a long run, you know, if it's above 80, 90 degrees, it, it might be better to, to forego doing that. Um, and like you were saying, it's really important to run in the coolest part of the day on the coolest days of the week. Um, just framing things up that way, checking the weather um, and understanding the humidity and dew point also play a huge role. So, you know, 60 degrees, no humidity feels very different than 60 degrees and 100% humidity. So the first thing that a lot of runners are probably going to feel um, right after, you know, the heat, the temperature rises is that humidity. And that is really hard to run in. High humidity is killer. Um, that's something that it, it makes it hard to breathe. <laughs> it makes the air feel sticky. Um, anytime you're kind of going to go outside and you see the dew on, you know, cars or grass, um, and you can almost like see that like liquid haze in the sky. I mean, it's, it makes it harder to breathe. And I know we had uh, like a two two fourteen marathoner on here back in almost over a year and a half ago now, and he he said that humidity was poor man's altitude training. And so that's something to really keep in mind um, when you're going out there in this humidity, just to understand that, you know, you are going to have to slow down, obviously, 
but you know, it's going to have impacts later in the fall. So don't think, you know, because you're slowing down 30 seconds per mile that you're losing that fitness. No, it's just the elements around you are changing. And so you're forced to kind of change and adapt to that. So if you took away the humidity, your pace would be back to normal. And it's just really important to kind of trust that. And you know, it can be really hard and a really hard transition for people to all of a sudden see this huge slowdown. Um, and it's, it's also difficult because there is no like formulaic way. I, I know Jack Daniels runs spark calculator. They do have a formula on there where you can plug in kind of what the temperature is, and then it'll spit out like what your paces should be correlating to that. But it's so different from person to person. Um, I mean, Jason, do you, do you know some people where it's like the heat and humidity, like don't even affect them. And then you could also have like a runner lives in the same climate where it's like, they can't physically run or it affects them so much more. And what do you think, why do you think there is such a difference between how it affects different athletes? That's a good question. I, I definitely have seen, you know, up here in Minnesota and the Midwest, we have a lot of people who um, do fairly well in the heat, but then there's a lot of people that struggle just because we don't, we're, we don't experience the same temps, you know, uh, you know, more than three months out of the year that a lot of other parts of the country do down south. So um, for a lot of us, if, if it's, we're running a race in June and it's 80 degrees, like that's, that's really hot and that's going to significantly slow down most people's times. Um, you know, a couple of friends that, that come to mind, I just think about going on easy training runs with, and it's not even that hot. It's like maybe mid sixties in the morning. And you can just tell like when you're done with, done with your easy run, how much they've been sweating compared to you. And so it's, it's really interesting just kind of thinking about how some people, um, seem to really not like the heat compared to others and how some people it doesn't seem to affect as much. Um, but I do like how you said, you know, looking at your week, you know, from week to week and looking for those days where it's going to be a little bit less humid or less, less, you know, temperature is going to be the lowest or not as sunny to target those, those, uh, quality workouts to get your key runs in on those days, because then you won't really need to adjust and modify paces as much as you would if you had to do your four by mile repeats on a day when it's, you know, 85 and sunny, you're really going to have to slow down your projected paces if you do it on that day, as opposed to a, you know, just kind of a semi-warm day in the mid seventies. So definitely something to think about. Um, and you know, just still going out on your easy runs and still training in those conditions. Cause we want to prepare, um, cause you never know what it could be on race day, but I definitely think that we do want to, you know, plan ahead as far as what we can do to minimize those harder efforts in the really warm days because then it can really take a toll and just zap us and we don't recover as quick for the next workout yeah i think those are all really good points you know making sure that we're checking the weather and being aware of what are going to be like the high humidity days and if there's a heat index warning coming for that week maybe let's plan our workouts so that um we we do the workouts after that humidity breaks or before that um, heat index starts to rise and just moving things around and being more flexible that way i think can really help and go a long way because we don't want to be out there exhausting ourselves you know risk of heat stroke and all those other things um you want to play it safe but you still want to be able to get out there and get your workouts in so i guess the biggest thing is modifying those paces and understanding that it's going to really vary from person to person um i you know i've been training for many many summers and it seems like the first month or two um are a big adjustment and if i don't um decrease my paces uh, immediately to accommodate for the increase in temperatures, it will lead to a burnout. So it's really important that these first couple of weeks when the heat starts to go up, that we aren't pushing and trying to maintain a certain 
level of paces and we're not trying to push the same paces that we were running in 40 degrees. You have to adjust and you have to adapt. Um, do what feels right. Listen to your body. And, you know, a good rule of thumb is 20 seconds per mile slower. And you're actually doing yourself a huge favor by doing that because you're not going to overtrain. You're going to be training in the right zones. And that's the biggest thing that we don't want to happen here is for you guys to go out and um, force paces when it's, you know, 60, 70 degrees because those are the same paces that you were running in 40 degrees. And then, you know, a month later, have you guys being burnt out? So we'd rather have you like purposely running a little bit slower um, because you're actually going to have more benefit that way. And then later in the summer, once your body actually starts to adapt and adjust, um, you're going to see a lot of benefits from that. Um, and one of the first things that happens is when your body is out there and you're getting used to running that heat, um, your body actually starts producing like more of like the red platelets and there's physiological things that actually happen within your body that will allow you to run faster um, in the heat. So it's really important to keep all those things in mind and understand, you know, the process involved and how it's going to take your body about six weeks to actually have those physiological adaptations. And so just allowing for that time. <clears throat> Another thing that has really been helpful um, for me personally has been keeping a journal or keeping a log of all of your runs and reflecting and looking back at what you were doing last summer. So for me, I, I always forget, right? So it, it's not that hot yet. I, I don't know. I forget what it's like, you know, to run in the heat. So one thing that's really a good practice, I think, is going back, you know, in your Garmin or in your Strava and seeing what sort of paces did you start to run in June? What were you doing for your easy days? And reminding yourself of what that was like, because I think sometimes we forget and it's important to have a little reminder of like, yeah, I did slow down last year and yeah, uh, this is normal and it's all part of the process. Um, do you ever look back, Jason, and notice, you know, as a reminder to help you remember to slow down? Um, I don't really look back at training too often, but I do look back at like races just from year to year to kind of compare and see temperatures and see my performance and see if I can kind of figure out comparisons there and differences. But I think that's definitely a really good thing to do. Um, and, you know, I know that a lot of times we may look at like um, temperatures leading up to a certain period just just so we know. And so I think that that's beneficial as well to like look ahead. But um, yeah, I definitely think that making sure you're aware of, you know, that the different effort levels that you're going to be expending on those warmer days, because that really is what is important. It's not so much about your pace on those days. It's more about like, okay, if we're doing threshold work, it should always feel probably, you know, around like 75 to 80%. Um, so we may need to modify our paces, you know, if you're trying to hit seven minute miles for your threshold work, um, you're going to need to modify that. And maybe 720 or 725 is, is about 70 to 80%. Um, whereas if you're really trying to hit the same pace, like you said, and in the heat, it's going to feel like you're getting closer to the red line. So it's going to feel more like a 90 to 95% effort. And then that, that's not really the goal of the workout. So I think it's so important that we are honest with ourselves and with, um, mother nature and not try to be too aggressive in terms of training. Yeah, I think that's all really good advice, you know, and I think the biggest key thing that we keep hearing over and over is making sure it's okay to slow down and making sure you slow down and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're talking slowing down 30 seconds per mile as it gets warmer, even, you know, a minute per mile, um, if you're going out on, you know, a 15-mile run and you're slowing down a minute per mile, 
that's 15 extra minutes. Um, so I was just thinking about, you know, if you're training for a marathon or if you're increasing that long run, at the same time, you're also decreasing your pace. You're actually going to be out there for a longer period of time. And so it kind of comes into this discussion of should people start switching over to more of a time-based system to make sure, you know, you're not overdoing it. Because whereas before, you know, if you were doing, let's say before it got hot, you were doing a 12-mile long run. And it would take you, you know, 90 minutes. And then all of a sudden you're increasing, you're doing that 15 mile long run. Normally that would only, you know, increase it by 25 minutes, your long run. But then you're also slowing down. So you're almost adding like 35, 40 minutes onto your long run. Is it better to switch to more of a time base, especially for some of those longer runs, just to encourage the fact that it is important to just go based off of, you know, effort and not try to force, you know, a certain amount of mileage and all those sort of things, just because we want people to really embrace the slowing down concept. Yeah, I think at that point, you definitely want to take into account um, going off time. And one one thing you could do is you could kind of do a, a medium long day back to back with your long day. So if you're worried about not getting, you know, 18 or 20 miles in, you could maybe do um, 14, which will take you you know, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. And then the day before or the day after is when you could do like a, a medium, like a seven or an eight, just so that your, your body's getting kind of the same, um, the same workout in a sense, like the same, uh, you know, energy levels are being depleted. Um, it's, it's really getting to be the same effort as you would exert on one long run. So I think that there's, definitely something to be said for that. Um, you know, we do that a lot with, with runners, you know, they say it takes so much longer time to recover from a long run over three hours. So there's really no point, you know, if you're out there running, trying to run 20 miles at 10 or 11 minute pace of doing long runs that far, that's a whole nother discussion up for debate. But I think that we can always think about just splitting the long run into two and, and, um, you know, then going more time-based. Right. That's all really good um, thoughts there. And I think, you know, another factor that starts to come into play once we get into those longer runs, you might start your long run, you know, at, at 5, 6 a.m. The sun's not really out, but by the time you're finishing, you know, if you're out there for two, three hours, it's going to be 8, 9 o'clock. Um, it can, the sun gets up in the sky pretty quickly there in the morning. And I think that's another factor that needs to be talked about because, of course, you know, there's the temperature and the humidity, but then there's also that sun impact. And most people don't really think of this as being a huge factor. They think mainly about the temperature and the humidity, but the sun is a huge drainer for energy for most um, runners. And so I guess just sharing some tips of, you know, why do you think that is? Um, Have you ever came into in a counter of a race or, you know, a workout or a run where you realize that the biggest factor was actually the sun? Uh, yeah, I think I feel like you're wanting me to talk about Boston, my second experience at Boston, the, the hot year. I don't even know what the temps were. It wasn't that hot, but it was just, it was a sunny year. And I kind of went into the race, not too worried about, um, not too worried about it because I knew I wasn't that fit and I wasn't going to run for a fast time. I was just going to kind of go out and have fun. And so, but the sun still caught up to me. And by, a, I think a mile, I don't know, right around mile 19, I was starting to feel cramps. And so, um, I think the sun, like you said, it, it just drains your energy faster. It zaps you. If you're not used to it, especially it's going to just have such a powerful effect on your muscles. And, um, the other, the other thing that, you know, to, to remember about that is like you want to try to minimize skin contact to the sun. So wearing 
you know, I was probably wearing a singlet. I don't think I was wearing any sunscreen at all. Um, so all my arms, my shoulders were exposed. Um, I think I was wearing a hat, but it's just like thinking about, you know, I'm wearing short shorts, so all my legs are exposed. And it's just, it's, um, something to think about is to try to cover up or wear something a little bit, um, light that's going to help keep you cool. Definitely a a t-shirt, but, um, wearing sunscreen, wearing a hat, there's all ways to try to avoid it. Finding routes that are somewhat shaded if you have to be out there when it's sunny. But again, I think adjusting pace, adjusting effort, all that's going to come into account. Um, and especially like the time you're spending out there. Um, and when you get to a certain point, you need to start thinking about fueling and hydration because your, your muscles are depleting. So if you're out there for like a long run, um, or two hours or more, I would say you're definitely going to start to need to refuel. And so probably even less than that if it's hot. Um, so thinking about, um, and now I was naive to think I didn't really need much as far as gels or salt tabs, I didn't bring my salt tabs with me that day, but I wish I had. So those are all things to think about too in your training runs is just how the sun can zap you via energy and making sure that you're replenishing and prepared to restore um, those key you know, nutrients that you're losing, those vitamins, minerals, which are typically the magnesium and the calcium and the sodium um, and the potassium that are sweat, you know, leaving your pores through sweat. So you definitely need to replenish with those. Yeah, that's all really good advice. I think we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about fueling. Um, but, you know, going back to the whole idea of avoiding the sun, it's, it's just really important to remember that the sun is the reason that it's hot in the first place, right? The sun is very powerful. Um, it's powerful enough if you stare at it, you know, you can go blind. It's powerful enough that it gives people skin cancer. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing up in the sky and it's going to impact you during your summer training, of course. So it's really important to figure out ways that you can avoid the sun. Um, and that's just simply going to be getting out the door earlier or getting out the door after, uh, after sunset. So, you know, if you're an evening runner, let, let's stretch it back, go even later in the evening. If you're a morning runner, let, you're going to probably have to get out the door a little bit earlier just because the sun starts to rise at like four thirty, five o'clock. Um, so you want to get out there before that peak sun. Cause, uh, I think the, the hours that you're supposed to really avoid are between, you know, 9.30, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. Because that's really when the sun is at its peak and you really want to avoid, um, you know, a lot of sun contact during that time because it can just be such a, a drain on your body. So avoiding that 10 to 3 p.m., 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Um, time frame um, is one way that you can really help to avoid the sun. I know you mentioned uh, not wearing black, you know, wearing lighter colors. Uh, one other thing that you know, coach Ben likes to recommend to people is avoiding out and back routes, um, especially for long runs, just because you just don't know, um, if you're, if you're going out, you know, seven miles and then all of a sudden you, you come back and it's, you have another seven miles to go. That can be really, um, grueling if the sun just starts to come out. So maybe picking more safe routes, like, uh, looping around, doing a couple loops. That way you're never like seven miles away from your house and um, feeling very desperate. Uh, another way that you can avoid the sun would be finding routes that have more trees or shade. Um, I know we live kind of in an area, newer development, there's not a lot of trees. Um, there really are not a lot of places to run around here where you're going to get shade. Um, and that's just the situation for a lot of people, I think, who live in, you know, suburbia or who live, um, you know, in the city for sure. There's definitely not a ton of trees. Uh, but one thing that you can opt to do is going more into a trail system. So while around here, the roads, it, there's virtually no shade, you can hop into a trail um, and do a couple loops in there and it's literally 10 degrees colder because the trees are so thick that the sun is not 
you know, shining. And because of that, it's cooler. Um, so I think finding a trail system and using that on some of the days where you just need a break, um, from the sun, um, because it can be really a great place to go to kind of avoid that just beat down of the sun. Cause I know, you know, last summer thinking back, it was just like every single day it was grueling. You know, you're out there, you versus that sun. And no matter what time you go, like it's just, it just beats you down. And so getting in the trails, getting off of um, the roads for a couple of miles, I think can be a real game changer for people. And it can kind of bring a little bit more joy into that summer training. And they're, they're really pretty um, during the summer. Um, so Jason, do you have any last minute advice for, you know, avoiding the sun? Um, what are some tips that you've done to avoid the sun? What time of day do you prefer running? I know you, you are more of an afternoon runner. So do you have any tips for someone who's just not a morning runner? How do you, you know, stay cool and avoid that sun? Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no good way when you got to get a run in and you know, it's, it's sunny. You just you sometimes have to just maybe you alter your training for the week. Like you make modif- modifications on the go. Like, okay, I was going to do a workout today, but it's just really hot. And I noticed tomorrow's going to be, you know, partly sunny instead of all, all day sun, or it's going to be a little bit cooler. So maybe making those modifications last minute, um, or actually the opposite too, like saying, okay, I'm feeling kind of good today. Maybe I'm going to get this workout in today. Cause I know that it's, we're expecting a, a rise in temps the next few days. Um, but I've also, you know, looked at changing my whole routine, just just to get out when it is better. So maybe I'm, you know, if I was an afternoon runner for a while, I'd go in the morning on those days, um, or I'd push it back later in the evening, like you said. So really just trying to find the best time to go. Um, but that's really going to depend on, you know, what the purpose was of that run for the day and how many miles I was going to be out there for. I think those are all really good tips. And then understanding, you know, as that comes into play, uh, you know, you're running later in the day, you're running in the summer. One topic that's really, you know, a hot topic is hydration because it's important now more than ever. Um, You're out there, it's hot, you know, the sun's out. And like you were saying, you know, sometimes after these runs, it's like you're drenched in sweat. And so you're losing so many fluids. And it's really important to make sure that we're replenishing that and we're preparing for, um, you know, training in those elements and making sure we're fueling for what we're asking our bodies to do. Um, You know, you might get away with when it's 40, 50 degrees, be able to do, you know, a 10 mile long run with no fuel. Uh, when it's, you know, 80 degrees, good, good luck with that. I mean, you start to get thirsty, you know, two, three miles into a run um, and you're probably just not going to be able to get away with it like you did in the winter months. So it's just important to understand, you know, you got to be drinking a little bit more water. Um, so Jason, like how often minutes wise do you think that you should be drinking water or, you know, Gatorade during a run or just during like a longer run? Yeah. So when I think about the only time I'm going to plan for fuel is basically on long runs because then I'm also practicing for like half marathon or marathon race day. So thinking about, um, strategically planning stops or whatever, but I would say, you know, in the race, I'm going to do it more frequently just because it's available to you there on the side of the, at the water stop. So you're going to alternate more frequently, but it may not be as convenient for you to do that on your training run. So I'm going to strive for about 30 minutes or about every four to five miles Um, just so that I can at least get one, two or three, you know, hydration stops in there during my long run. So depending on where I'm running, I may plan a route, you know, if it's like a 16 mile run, I may try to get back for two stops, um, maybe around like eight and 12 or something like that. So that's kind of how I would approach it. Again, this is going to really depend on where you're running from, what the route is. Um, you know, are you going to stop at home? Are you going to stop at your car? I've done, I've done it before where I've 
I've dro- driven out, I've dropped the bottle of water in the bushes um, and put, it up, put a Gatorade there as well so that I've had it there. If I was planning like a kind of a longer route away from home where I wasn't going to be able to stop. Um, also taking into consideration parks and drinking fountains and stuff. Um, you know, if it's, I know in the Midwest, a lot of those don't really open up until after Memorial Day. So if you're doing long runs in this early spring, you may not have that option um, of stopping and getting the drinking fountains. But um, all of those things I think are good to think about just how can you be plan ahead for getting that hydration. Yeah, those are all really good tips. And I think it's important to know, you know, a lot of people think they would have to run with a hydration pack or with a handheld water bottle, but you, you know, suggested some other options and one of which is, you know, going with routes that have the the water fountains next to them um, or, you know, putting a water bottle out somewhere and looping around that. I mean, those are some options that are, you know, a lot easier if you don't want to be carrying things, but they still allow for you to, you know, get the fuel that you need during your run. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, everyone's kind of different with their fueling. And that's one thing you'll kind of see that's a common theme anywhere you look, you know, fueling for runners. It's like pretty much experiment, right? So what works for Jason might not work for you, right? You might need to be fueling every 20 to 30 minutes with water on your run just because of the rate that you sweat. It could be different than Jason's, right? So I think it's just important to to figure out what works for you and kind of what your body needs. If you're someone that sweats a lot, I think it's really important to make sure that you're replenishing those electrolytes. So trying a salt pill, um, one of the pills that we've taken and had success with is called salt stick. Um, that's something that you can use, you know, every 60 minutes during a long run, just taking one. Um, it can help a lot with cramping. If you're someone who sweats a lot and you can either like taste the salt in your sweat or you feel the salt um, in your eyes or after a run, if you have a lot of like white stuff on your face and um, your shoulders, that is a sign that you're a salty sweater. And it's just really important to make sure that you're replenishing those electrolytes um, while you're exercising Um, and practicing these things just because you never know what race day is going to have. You know, we hope that all fall races are a lot cooler, but you know, there have been times where the Chicago marathon is a heat advisory um, you know, 70, 80 degrees. So it's just really important to have a plan for what you're going to do in this summer um, and making sure you are hydrating. And I think, you know, planning out the hydration in advance is super important. You don't want to just hope, oh, well, I'll just see how far I can get into this run before I need to drink something. It's just, it's better to have something set up as an option every 30 to 45 minutes so that you can get it um, if you feel the need. Um, and just making sure that you're not like chugging a ton of water and then going, um, just doing incrementally. If you're someone who's like, I always feel sick if I drink water when I run, try smaller sips. Um, your stomach just needs time to adapt to the fueling plan. Um, so I think this has been a really good podcast explaining a lot of the different tips with, you know, hydration and temperature and sun. So Jason, do you have any like last minute on like products that you like in terms of hydration and what you use and what has worked well for you with training um, as we kick things off here? Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned salt stick. That was kind of my go-to for electrolyte pills just to make sure I'm not cramping. I've had good experience taking those during marathons where, um, you know, I, I start to feel like a little twitch, but it doesn't fully cramp because I'm taking those. Um, in the times that I have fully cramped, I was not taking those. So 
I kind of guess I swear by those, but there's a lot of new products too in the market these days, especially the fueling, um, like the Morton um, energy stuff. So I know a lot of people, especially the elites are taking that. And, um, you know, as far as like knowing how often to take that stuff I, and, or even if you should, I guess it's going to be kind of trial and error with you. And it's going to depend on, have you ever cramped before? You know, if you're someone like me, who's a little bit more prone, I think to cramping in the heat, you're definitely wanting to take more than what another person might. And so it's really going to depend on your experiences. Um, every person's body and their muscles are going to utilize those minerals at different rates, um, and conserve energy. So, you know, we just have to try to find out what works for us and, um, and stick with it. But I, I like definitely alternating between water and something with, um, electrolytes as far as like a Gatorade or you can, or, um, you know, uh, the Morton stuff would be good as well. So, I also try to practice with what's going to be on the course because I know that I want to make sure it sits well with me. So um, that's something to think about as well. And there's a lot of other stuff out there too as far as the gels and the shot blocks and the jelly beans and all that. So it's really about what what you're comfortable with holding and what, um, you know, I like to carry like a, a, a fit belt and I will put the little pills in like a plastic bag or something so that I, it makes sure that it's not getting all full of sweat. So there's a little tip there. Um, some people pin them on their belts as well, but, um, yeah, I guess that, that would be it as far as my advice for hydration and fueling. Um, I feel like we didn't really talk about treadmills much during this podcast, but on certain days you may want to opt for the treadmill. If you have access, if it's just that hot, just because you're in a cooler environment. And so you're going to get your run in, you'll recover and then you, you move on. So, um, but I definitely think there's benefits to training in the heat. Like you said earlier, it's, um, kind of like poor man's altitude training, it can make you feel fit and coming off of a summer of training in the heat, it really can help you race well in the fall when the temperatures start to drop. Yeah, those are all really good last minute tips. And, you know, I think the bottom line is finding kind of what works for you. I know you shared some of your, your favorite products and what you do in the summer, but sometimes people find that, you know, something completely different works. I know Coach Ed, he loves to run with his, you know, handheld water bottle. And that's just something that, you know, really works well for him. Um, other people, you know, like myself, sometimes I like to have my um, hydration pack on my back just as like a safety net because it makes me feel um, a little bit more comfortable being out there and going longer to distances, um, being able to pick the route that I want and not have to worry about the hydration um, and planting bottles and all that stuff. So at the end of the day, uh, the heat really impacts everyone differently, but it always will impact your running no matter who you are. Um, You do need to slow down and do what works for you this summer, finding a plan that works for you and just trusting the process. You know, you're not out of shape if you slow down. It's just a factor of what happens when it gets warmer outside. Don't compare yourself to someone else because some people, they just have a harder time in the heat than others. Some people, it's like they actually perform better in the heat, you know? So don't don't play the comparison game and get worried um, about what other people are doing. Kind of focusing on yourself and figuring out what works best for you is the best way to go. And I think we're going to be chatting a little bit about um, heat and how the humidity impacts things throughout this summer. So this is just the first uh, podcast to kind of kick things off to let you guys know uh, what's what's coming ahead. So I'm appreciative of everyone who listened and tuned in. If you ever want to chat with one of our coaches or try us out for a free seven-day trial, you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.co and we can chat more and get you started right away.